Welcome to On the Line. This is Joe Mullings. This is Christina Kay. And we are excited. We've got Dave Ranker today in studio with us. Uh, Dave is a HR extraordinaire. He is sort of revolutionary in that field, if you can believe that. And I think there'd be nobody better to talk about current events with Harvey Weinstein and harassment in the workplace than someone who deals with humans in the workplace. Versus non-humans. Versus the non-humans, like the pencils. Or the robots. So we're kicking off our podcast today, frying um, the state of affairs right now with Mr. Weinstein and what that means in general to employment and people using their positions of power in the workplace, right? So going to have a couple different perspectives and observations about that. Christina, why don't you uh, head it off? Yeah, I mean, we were... We've been talking so long about doing a podcast and this just seemed like such an appropriate thing to start on because it's topical and everybody's, it's really in the forefront of everyone's mind uh, and it's a delicate subject, but what the angle that I'm not hearing and the, the, the voice and the discussion that's sort of missing is uh, how do you approach this in your career if it really does happen to you? You know, we only deal with careers in this building. It's really the central focus. So I thought it was just an uh, an awesome opportunity to coach women or men who are in a position where they feel sort of uncomfortable with a situation and and how you can sort of hit a pause button on whatever's happening, appropriately handle it before it escalates to something as insane as Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and these are <clears throat> extreme examples. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. And um, you know, I think what women face every day in corporate life is the varied levels of um, sexual harassment. Um, so you feeling just basically uncomfortable in their, in their job. Um, and so I think it's again, understanding all the different levels, the extreme side, but then all just the basic stupid things that, that happen day to day, to day in, in different corporations around around the country. And you mean stupid things that people don't have an intention of being <clears throat> in a harassing... Yeah, I mean, I think people don't understand um, what they may think is a joke offends people. And I've told this to people for years is, you know, there's just really no room in corporate life for an off-color joke, right? Because, again, know your audience... And if and if you're going to take that risk, you're also going to take the risk that somebody's going to be offended by that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that again, that's sort of the you know the um, the different levels of you know from the extreme to just somebody being offended by a joke. Right, but I, I do think that you until you learn how to address um, yeah. a comic that was shared or something like that, you know, until you learn how to address those things, you really are nowhere near addressing the bigger things. And, and I do think transgressions don't start as at, at their max capacity, right? People don't come out the gate crazy or else they're not going to get to that position of power. It starts with the small micro behaviors and then they become this sort of macro problem. I know there's this trend now, the Me Too campaign, a lot of women are using it. I mean, it's all over my Facebook feed and I can honestly say, you know, Me Too. Um, Have you experienced it? 
sexual harassment? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just telling uh, everybody here earlier that one of my early jobs in retail, my boss said he was a, a wealthy man locally, and he said, what would it cost for you to strip for me for a, for a bachelor party for a friend of mine? Like, you set the price. And, you know, I laughed it off, and I, you know. How I old were you? 19. I blushed a lot, and, you know, of course I said no. I don't really believe that my body has a price tag, so I didn't really know what to set that figure to. So, uh, you know, I, I, I declined, and I was very polite about it, but obviously it's something I still think about sometimes, you know, that because you're in workplaces, you have uh, power imbalances. That's the nature of the beast, right? Like somebody hires someone else. So I think when you're not in a position of power, and then you uh, experience something like that, where something that's really not work-related, which is my body, is suddenly in the fore of the conversation, uh, then I then I feel powerless, and uh, and I feel like the things that I am doing and that I am earning and working towards are really negated or nullified. And I I mean I think in there are certainly many many harmless uh, jokes that I've experienced, and you know I'm. I'm in the sort of video production world. It's all dudes. It's all jokes. So I'm pretty thick-skinned now. Can you ever tell when there's intention or not intention? I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, for sure. I right. Mean, Do I've, you process them the same way, though? Um, well, you know, I think, like, these things have to be earned. You know, you don't, especially in a workplace, right? This isn't... Uh, friendly environment necessarily it's not a familial environment those things are earned because trust isn't a given so if i don't know you if we don't have that rapport if you don't know what i'm comfortable with and you're just sort of throwing things out there well you know i have to question what your intentions are because i would i would wonder how developed is your sensitivity to other people and your understanding of social nuance so you and i've had these conversations over the years one of the places that happens the most is with your sales team out in the field when there's alcohol involved. Yeah. Right? And so the head of sales, let's make him a man, um, starts joking around with the female sales person yeah. who's been with the pack of primarily male-dominant, if it's a male-dominant sales force. Yep. And she's making jokes during the work week, right? Rubbing with the boys. Clinton wants to be one of the boys. Now you toss in alcohol. That's a tough environment. Yeah. So, so, so in, in, in that example, yeah, somebody hopefully there is going to put a quick end to that one, uh, you know. But, but you're yeah, right. You mix alcohol, luxury, spa, right? You're typically in great hotels, great dinners. Um, Got a robe on. But in that case, but you know what? Honestly, <laughs> in, in that case, you know, hopefully somebody there's somebody there who's smart enough to say, "Hey, you idiot," you know, um, or talk to the VP in charge, or take it to HR. But then what's that do to the dynamic? So all of a sudden, I'm the VP of sales. I make a joke across the table to the salesperson who's been with me for six years. Right. And she has been, that's ah, just part of the game. Ah, just part of the game. Yeah. Right? And now Fred, who's his third month here, hears that across the table, does the right thing. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Chill out. Let's take it easy. Right? And Fred has the balls to do that. Mm -hmm. to the VP and he doesn't know that that game has been going on for a right. while or maybe even they dated once yeah right Fred then goes to HR and Fred goes 
hey, Dave, listen, I, I, I saw this exchange. I'm really uncomfortable with it. And with everything going on with the Weinstein factor today, yeah. I think we need to nail that. Now the VP gets pulled in. Yeah. Right. And let's say he's an old school VP yeah. from Mad Men. You got to talk to him. Yep. Fred's screwed. Well, you hope not. But I mean, and you know, and this is one of the discussions we have is, you know, there somebody comes to you with with a complaint like that, you have an obligation to investigate. You can't just say, yeah, I don't think I'm going to investigate that one. Right. So so you've got to go at it and hopefully the the VP of sales is smart enough to say, "Okay, I I get it. I could get away with that 10 years ago. I get it. I guess I can't get away with it now." You would hope so, but you know, that's uh, it's not always going to sink in. Yeah. Christina, I mean, so you and I work together, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we've made fun jokes with each other, mm-hmm. right? There's a level of trust, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but when does it go over the line, right, with comfort? Because guys always push, mm-hmm. right? Because if it's funny now, then it's not funny anymore. I need to make it funnier. Yeah. I mean, so uh, one thing I did want to say is that it's not always about feeling sexually un- unsafe right? And, or um, feeling a sense of like sexual violence even through words. Sometimes it's just having to always be reminded of your gender. That's one thing that does often sort of frustrate me is that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I consider myself a pretty tenacious person, but I always feel like I'm running a separate race. You know, I, I will always remember when I was younger, my friend said, oh, you're the smartest girl I, I, I know. And I was like, well, what? is that a separate list? Like, do you deduct 30 points? Like how, <laughs> how far am I from the man? Right. You know? And I think that sometimes I wish that it, we could all work in a vacuum where we're just like computer screens and you don't know who's on the other side because I'm, I do feel like I'm running a parallel race backwards and heels to use that, that phrase. I do feel that. And I think that those jokes when directed at me just are a further reminder that, you see me, or not you specifically, the person telling the joke has, has a hard time removing the gendered part of me from my good work, you know, and 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 how sort of tough or strong or hardworking I might think that I am. Right. Why can't it just be harassment? Why does it <laughs> have to be sexual harassment? Well, uh, well, I think that there's just a certain implication for that. Uh, when you're a woman in the world, there's a, a, a female comedian who has like a very controversial co- joke where she's just like, you know, women walk through the world and and a scary guy shows up in the in the alleyway and they're just kind of like, oh, there it is. Here's my rape. It's coming. I knew it would be there. And here it is. And and that joke, it's sort of uncomfortable, mostly because I think it's pretty true. You know, I wake up thanks to you. I don't I've never done this before. <laughs> I wake up at six or five forty five and I go for a walk in my neighborhood and I'm scared every morning. And I'm now like literally kicking my boyfriend out of bed. So I think including sexual in the harassment part is important because I think it's it is an, an unfortunate element of every woman's life to to just you have to always kind of remember that you have to put safety first. I'm I'm assuming well you're like a, maybe an unreasonable example because you're bigger than most men, but um, you probably don't right. You don't think in terms of safety in every situation. In some ways, it's not necessarily sexual in nature. It's about uh, uh, power. It's a it's yeah. a power uh, fetish. It's a power grab, and um, I think that that's why these are so uh, are particularly uh, poignant when you see them because they are in a place of employment. They are in a place where people get the money that they live from, and they are explicitly about some person being above another. 
And that's how this behavior is hidden. That's how it's continued. And that's how it escalates. So how do you manage it? Well, I don't know that. You guys have to tell <laughs> me. <laughs> how do you manage it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, y- you have to have, you know, again, you have to start with the environment, right? Create an environment where people feel free, free to to come forward. And, you know, I've, I've seen the past in talking to women who, you know, you see these, they've been subjected to these subtle, subtle harassment. And, you know, and we ask them why they didn't come forward. They say, well, I was just hoping it would stop. Right? I would just hope that it would go away. And I hope that if I just stayed quiet, you know, it would just stop. And it didn't, right? And that's and that's the thing. And, and and then again, it becomes something bigger, you know. Then it becomes sort of this history. Of and the woman is often blamed, which is interesting. Yeah. The yeah. woman is blamed, like, what well, what took you so long to come forward if this has been going on for weeks or months right. or years? And then all of a sudden, you know, how do you answer that logically? Well, I mean, that can just be put to bed immediately. Like, if I were to put on my empathy hat and I've never spoken up about feeling uncomfortable sexually, which is, you know, shame on me. But at the same time, you're either afraid that uh, along with their need for sexual power, there is also a need for physical power. So you, I sometimes feel it, when I'm being harassed sexually in any nature that if I put a stop to it, it'll escalate to something worse. That's a fear. So that's one. Two, I'm afraid that in a in a place of employment there's recourse and i will suffer for it or three i'm i'm afraid that i can't prove it i can't verify it i'll be alone in this who's going to believe me right. right and then and then i'm that person then i'm that woman who did it forever you know? forever forever right and i'm either going to look for another place to work or feel uncomfortable all the time so right. those are really good deterrents from ever wanting to say anything especially if it's not you know at the Weinstein level i have had um, in, in, in my um, work, I've had people, females, who like, why was she let go? Well, she had a complaint against, right? And they won't touch the person after mm-hmm. that. They won't touch them. Um, either because uh, the person had the balls to go ahead and make the claim um, and settle. But now you totally, totally have a uh, scarlet letter on you. Even though you had every... You should have nailed the person, yeah. right? So again, it's a tough one. You know, what do you do when you don't have an HR department, Dave? What ha- what happens when you have a twenty-person firm like ours, yeah. and all of a sudden something went down? Who do you go to? You, hopefully, you can go to the leader of the organization. Yeah, you, you're exactly right. You go to the leader of the organization, um, or unfortunately, a lot of people choose just to leave, yeah. right? And it never really gets resolved or taken care of. There's just this revolving door of people coming in and out being subjected to this stuff and 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 they choose to leave which is really unfortunate i always wonder you know because i've as i've already admitted never filed a complaint or pursued anything i just kind of let it roll off my back to whatever extent it can but what would happen let's say i've only worked in two companies and they both had sexual harassment forms that i signed here included um otherwise otherwise i've been freelance so uh, let's say I acted on it. What would be the next step? I don't know. I don't even know what would happen next. That's part of it. Is that I, I guess there's like this fantasy or, or or nightmare that it'll be a big deal and everyone will know about it and he'll go off in handcuffs or whatever. It'll be drama when really I just 
want that email to not come to me anymore, you know? Right. So, so, you know, interesting <coughs> brainstorming here on, 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 I'm thinking as, as a, with this whole, you know, Weinstein effect going on right now, the first thing I think of is it needs to be three people on a board and it needs to be at least one female, if not two females and the business owner. And if the business owner is a female, it needs to be a male. And then it needs to be brought up. And then it needs to be to be determined, was it predatory behavior or was it just ignorance? And that, and that, I think, helps define what the course of action is. I always tell people, look, you know, we're going to keep this as confidential as we possibly can. But there's also um, witnesses, right? If something happens at that sales meeting, right? We're going to have to go interview people right. outside of that. And right. that's where, you know, a lot of people get a little freaked out about it. But, you know, and, and but, you know, I always say, listen, we're going to keep this confidential as possible. We're going to talk to as very few people as we need to really get to the, to the bottom of the, um, what really happened here. And of course we, you know, we take your complaint serious. It gets investigated. It's typically a communication between HR and legal and, uh, and the leader of the company. And then, Again, depending upon what happened, there's there's warning letters, there's trainings, there's see you later, right? There's discharge. Mm -hmm. um, and so it really sort of depends on the environment you're in, but it always needs to be investigated and always ta being taken seriously. Have you had any success stories where uh, someone comes forward? It could be an, actually a man or a woman. That's something that people don't talk about is that sexual harassment can affect anybody. So you have a person come forward, say they feel uncomfortable, you speak to the person who's making them uncomfortable, yeah. and it comes to terms, it's a mutual misunderstanding, and the behavior stops, and the relationship is resolved. Have you had that experience? Yeah, yeah, no, I have. And I, and I think it. Th those are the ones where I think people just, again, they, they weren't thinking, they were careless in, in whatever they were saying. Um, so we, we have had those, you know, people who can take constructive criticism and knowledge and turn it into something good. Um, so I've seen those. Um, and I've also seen the ones that, that don't work. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, then that takes a completely different uh, trail. And the consequences on those are tremendous if you think about those. I mean, so the yeah. consequence when somebody decides to consciously harass somebody using sexual harassment is a tool because let's make it a guy because that's usually the offender um, and makes an advance it gets shut down gets reported most guys who are in that position of power are married mm -hmm. right and then that reverberates back people don't think about those consequences yeah i've i can tell you <laughs> There have been times when I've executives have been terminated and I've said, I can't wait for this person to have to go home and explain to his wife right. why he just lost, lost his job. Wow. Right. And then it wasn't for performance. <laughs> and it right. wasn't for, for performance. Right. 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 Yeah. So people really need to think that through. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I talked before about the deterrence for someone to speak up, but I was wondering if from a, an HR perspective or from a CEO pers CEO perspective, uh, if you could maybe address specifically how you would hope employees would handle it, how you hope this could be handled 
from the person who feels uncomfortable in the future. Yeah, I think ideally my counsel would be the first thing you need to look at is who's leadership of the organization, right? Not necessarily owner, leadership first of all. Because owners, again, aren't necessarily leaders. You would hope that most owners are, but I would look at leadership first. And then I'd also make sure, first go after it yourself. Be like, dude, what was that about, right? Like hit them head on. Um, again, female, male assu assumption here. And I would hit them head on. But again, I'm coming from my reference point. Mm -hmm. um, and then be like, oh shit, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that, right? And give that person a chance to be like, holy crap, falling your sword, I'm so, so sorry, right? And so that would be my first hope and move that somebody makes. If that then comes down to, oh, honey, you want it, right? Um, then it's like, oh, clearly there's a real issue here. And I would immediately go to leadership, immediately be like, I need to talk to you. I don't want to blow this out of proportion, um, but I need to talk to you, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if the person has strength, again, depending upon what's going on, to that first time to say, listen, I, I, I know you're kidding, but it really makes me uncomfortable. And I, I would hope that, you know, you take this in, in the best way possible, but that really makes me uncomfortable. And, and, you know, I would hope that, you know, you right. wouldn't do that anymore. Right. Boom, done. Um, because even, even – and then that person – document themselves right hey i had this conversation put it somewhere because then if it happens again and they go to hr and say no you know listen i had this conversation with him three months ago um right then there's a trail and then, then they have a trail and, and, and again i think it's it's just having the strength and i and hopefully all this stuff that's coming out is putting shedding a whole new light to this where women know that it's okay to say, hey, no, that made me really uncomfortable. And um, I love working here, you know, I, I appreciate your leadership, but that made me uncomfortable. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting. What this shed light on is, I'm glad it is shedding light on the subject. More importantly, I hope that it allows people to then become empowered to take down the person who is making the threat once that, so let's just take you, Christina. You have a situation in the organization. You tell that person, I didn't like that. That person doesn't remedy it or fall on their sword immediately. You then go to a trusted confidant in the organization, right? And you're like, I just had this situation happen. I'm hoping this is like when, if there's a hijacker on a plane today, everybody's gonna rush at that fucker and take him down. Right, and that's what I really hope. As much as women feel um, empowered to call it, I hope now that people who are on the sidelines watching it happen stand behind, so it doesn't even get up to the person who has to pull the trigger right. to make things happen. That is what I think the greatest blessing will be on this, because you just mentioned it. You're a strong woman. You still would be hesitant to go the full distance on this. Yeah. Having said that, though, if Michael, who's in the room with us, and Michael runs sound here, if Michael was your confidant and you're like, I need to talk to you about this. I'd have to hold him back. Right. That's what, my, that's what I mean. Right. Even before this, I'm sure you would. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is I think then your peers in your organization would be like, dude, what is your problem? Right. If the person didn't fall on their sword. And it, I think it could be solved locally. 
Because once it escalates to the owner or HR, then it becomes mechanical. Yeah, and again, that's where it sort of goes back to the <clears throat> to the person, right? The person having the nerve to say, no, stop it right now, right? Or, not the nerve, the knowledge of support of their peers. Because the nerve is hard to get up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or one message I want to impart on listeners is, you know, you may think that your jokes are harmless. They may be tame by all measures, but you also have to understand that you don't really know what a person's background is. And and when it comes to this subject, you know, there can be some pretty horrific narratives in that person's life. And these things can be triggers. And that that's a pretty painful and awful thing to, to imagine that your dumb joke is a reminder of something really, really painful. So I think in these in these cases, I would use caution. You know, if you don't know the person, if you don't have the trust, you should just assume that they've dealt with sexual harassment before. We're learning that now, right? The Me Too campaign, but but they might have dealt with much worse, and this this could be much more uncomfortable for them than you could possibly process. It's mm, a good point. Well, that was a juicy one to bite into <laughs> on our first session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's all sorts of subjects that dovetail off of that one. Yeah, yeah. Well. Thanks, Christina. That was your idea today. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I, I, I might think about it a little more than you guys do, potentially. Probably. Thanks for listening to On The Line. Tune in weekly for new episodes and uh, new content. Bye. Bye. Give me a look. Give me a look.